Welcome everybody to the Tag Your It Podcast. I'm Ray Ray. And I'm David Van Bever. And we are graced with another special guest on the uh, on this episode today. What is your name? Ashley Taylor. Ashley Taylor. Well, awesome to have you uh, on the Tag Your It Podcast. Thank you for your time and uh, your work um, that we get to bring you on today. And you are a student or a former student of Dave. Um, so, you know, that's part of your introduction anyway. But, uh, you know, Dave, like, take it away. And since this is your former student, there's yeah. a little bit more of a relationship there. But yeah, let's uh, let's dig into what we're going to dig into today. Well, I'm always so fortunate to have so many incredible pastors, uh, future pastors and future missionaries and those who just serve the church faithfully uh, every semester from my teaching at Spurgeon College. And each semester, as many of you who listen to the podcast or watch the YouTube page know, uh, I like to invite them on and give them opportunities to demonstrate the usefulness of the work that they did. And Mrs. Taylor had just an exceptional speech, did some incredible research. It was actually one of the things that I really loved was she put that work into practice in her church, which is what we want to see people do at Spurgeon and at Midwestern. So uh, Mrs. Taylor, you just I'd love for you to just tell us a little bit about yourself, um, who you are, the ministry you do, your children, uh, where you're a student, what you're studying, um, just kind of how you got involved in ministry as a whole. Yeah. So all the things, basically. I can yeah. do that. <laughs> all yeah. the things. All the things. Um, I'm Ashley Taylor, and I am a student. I'm going to be a senior this year. I'm not a senior citizen, just a senior in college. But when you're old and you go back to college, it can be confusing. Um, I'm really excited. I'm studying biblical studies at Midwestern in the undergrad program right now, Spurgeon College. And then when I graduate this spring, I'm immediately going into my master's of theology. It's like a combo theology and divinity, um, which is weird in the Baptist like church that I'm in when you say you're going for master's of divinity because I'm not trying to be a pastor. It's just this great combo program. So yeah, and that and that there and and yeah, that's a wonderful thing yeah. that that you brought that because yeah. Because being complementarian, we get straw manned all the time. And so this is a part of apologetics is to go, no, no, we are a body. Um, you know, we are saved in Christ. So in, in Christ, our salvation, um, there is no male, female, Jew, Greek, slave, free, right? So when it comes to salvation, mm -hmm. right? And then we're all members of one body. And so you've got hands, you've got feet, you got all those kind of things. So we don't even all have the same gifts. There's diversity, um, but yeah. they all complement each other. So um, it's one of those things that hopefully with podcasts like this and episodes like this, you know, people know, yes, we're Southern Baptist. Um, mm -hmm. I'm a 1689 staunch kind of English Baptist yeah. dude, I guess, in a way too. And uh, women are um, are fit for ministry uh, and God has given them gifts, um, physical gifts to nurture children, to raise children, to teach one another. That's all scriptural. And we'll get into that today. But I just, you know, wanted to start out since you've mentioned that, you know, um, yeah. you, you and all other women, we, we, the church needs women. And that's, uh, um, a really good thing and why we're getting into uh, this sort of episode because um, it could be things um, there could be things out there who could, that could be leading our women to lead other women wrongly and so mm -hmm. we need to make sure that the what what women are getting is the the word of god to where they can mm -hmm. feed 
the people that God has designed them to feed and told them to feed. So yeah, thank you for, for bringing that yeah. up again. That's a very major issue, especially yeah. in Baptist life, especially yeah. coming out of the SBC 2022. Yeah. <laughs> as well. well, and when you're a woman in that context, and I've yeah. been there for three years now, you do, you feel like you like have to explain yourself a little bit. Mm. Otherwise you get some questions you don't want to answer. So, or yeah. maybe just some looks you don't want given to you. So yeah, I um, understand yeah. that. Understand maybe that. I'm reactively saying that. So yeah. So I'm, um, I'm glad to hear you say everything you said about women in ministry. And um, when we talk about ministry and how I serve in the church, I'm actually in a unique situation. Um, I have served really faithfully at a church that we've been heavily involved in for five years called Henderson Hills Baptist. It's in Edmond, Oklahoma. And I serve in women's ministry there. I lead an adult community group alongside my husband and two dear friends. We've served in kids ministry. I've served on their writing team, like pretty much almost every ministry except for youth. We've served and we've loved it so much. Um, but we just recently became part of a replant um, that is in Oklahoma City. It's Olivet Baptist Church. And so we're part of this replant team, which is really cool. I didn't know a lot. Of, I knew about church planting, but not a lot about replanting. So that's what I've done with my summer off from college as I've been researching of this stack like this high next to me of church replant books. Um, I've been reading about that process, which is really fun and really exciting. And we're just kind of serving in whatever capacity we can there. Um, but in both churches, I'm just grateful to have pastors who are both men who just encourage women to step into ministry, to utilize their gifts and talents and recognize that the church is made up of this body of believers. And we need everyone's voice. We need everyone's gifts. We need everyone's talents to serve in the church. So thank you for saying that because um, it blesses me when men are not reactive to a woman in seminary, but rather encouraging. It's such a great picture of the body of Christ and being brothers and sisters in that way. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a great thing. Yeah, we need to make sure that we are uh, starting out in good faith. Now, whenever you do come across somebody goes like, you know, I'm a woman, I'm a pastor, that's whenever we need to pump the brakes a little bit, mm -hmm. still mm -hmm. going in good faith to try to be like, hey, hey, and then let them go far and on their own while you've mm -hmm. spoken the truth to them. But yeah, we need to make sure that we are definitely clarifying in our and 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 brotherly and sisterly in the way that we relate. So yeah, that's definitely something that the church needs more of is coming together because I'm not just a man saying that for the, for the pat on the back or anything, but you know, this thing right here tells me the truth. Yeah. And so that's, sure. that's why we do it. Yeah. And so that's why yeah. we're here today. So, so, yeah. uh, Mrs. Taylor, I'm going to yeah. continue to call you Mrs. Taylor until you tell me to call you Ashley. You can uh, call me Ashley. Okay. For sure. Yeah. Ashley, so <laughs> yeah. you talked a little bit about how you have been really invested in the church. What caused you to feel that particular calling to women's ministry? And, and what was it as you jumped into it that really kind of drew your attention to women's devotionals as a whole? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So my like call, if we want to call it calling to women's ministry is kind of a long story. And I'll just tell you the really short version. When I was a teenager, I really felt the Lord pressing on me to be someone who worked for the church, who worked with teen girls. I think at the time I thought teen girls because I was a teen girl and I couldn't see past that. And working with women felt um, really scary. Um, but then I was abused as a teenager. I was assaulted and I felt like that disqualified me from ministry because that happens. Sometimes we have something that happens to us and the enemy takes it and puts it in our mind that maybe 
maybe we're no good for the church because our testimony isn't like this shiny, clean reflection of perfection, which is what so many people think their pastor is, right? This perfect human who speaks on behalf of God, Mm. total lie. But I felt that for so long, right? Exactly. (laughs) But we think like, I think you just think that as a lay person Mm. sometimes. So spent a lot of years just believing that, um, that God loved me, never doubted that, um, that I was forgiven that, well, that I didn't need to be forgiven because it wasn't, it was sin committed to against me, not sin that I willfully engaged in, um, really having to get through all of that. But in my late twenties, um, the Lord just really, I had gone through motherhood. I'm still a mother. I didn't even mention my kids, but I have four sons and in the season of motherhood, I found myself just opening my home and inviting women into our home to just come together for Bible study. At the time there was, and we're going to talk about devotions, but it was, she reads truth, which kind of began as this devotional, um, online on Instagram format. Mm -hmm. on social media. And we would just kind of walk through the devotionals that they put out, which is really all I knew to do at the time, but it was such Mm -hmm. a blessing. So we had these toddlers playing around us. I made coffee and muffins every week for these women, opened my home and we just opened God's word together. And so over the course of my twenties, the Lord just really was kind and showed me slowly that I had been doing women's ministry for all of these years that I was never disqualified because of what happened to me that in doing life with these women in Bible study with these women in slowly sharing my testimony boldly with these women and seeing that it was my brokenness that really was helpful to them in understanding God's love and his compassion and his forgiveness and his faithfulness and not this perfect image I wanted to portray. He just was slowly kind and showing me like, you're doing women's ministry. You were never disqualified. Your testimony is so important because it speaks of my goodness and my faithfulness. And so then I just wanted to go to school so I could really accurately steward the word of God and teach it well as I continued on with that with women and um, hopefully later church vocational ministry. So, yeah, yeah. I love Thanks. all of that. And Thanks. that kind of brings me into the place where here you were as a young woman leading women's ministry, and there is a just a glut of resources. In fact, we do a women's conference at my church. It's every September, and it's it's a little bit intimidating for me because I get hundreds, I'm not exaggerating, hundreds of these books that I'm like looking through, and I have to I mean, I'm tossing much more than what I'm keeping. So Mm -hmm. give me just a little bit of the process through which you evaluate some of the material that you use and uh, maybe even some of the concerns that you were drawn to as a result of really taking that step into a position of intentionally saying, no, no, I'm doing this type of ministry. Mm, Gotcha. Um, When I first opened just when I did women's ministry as a discipleship, right? Just as a hospitality practice and discipleship, I just used what I could find without a lot of um, discernment. And honestly, like she reads truth is a great organization. um, And I didn't, I think it's just great that the Lord led me to them because they're just walking you through the Bible. Mm -hmm. But as I went on, um, I had the women reading a book by Jen Hatmaker on how to study Mm. the Bible. And this was before, Mm. you know, Jen Hatmaker had said things that we disagree with. Um, But there just wasn't a lot of discernment in my own life to recognize, like to analyze Bible teachers and to think, should there be more discernment in how we listen to 
women who are teaching the word or men who are teaching the word, like what should we be doing in research as people who are turning around and handing these books off to women and walking through these books with women. Um, and that book, you know, again, the Lord can use things in lives and that book, which was written, I think when her kids who are adults were like very small, God used that book to help those women, you know, walk through the learning to study the Bible. But now in these days, we're grateful for resources like Jen Wilkin, who's really written in Women of the Word, a really solid book about how to really read your Bible and really discern truth and really walk through the processes of studying the Bible independently. So for me, it's just been this journey of discernment and assessing who is the person writing the book and the material that I want to turn around and give to women. Um, in our, my church ministry work at Henderson Hills, where I've led women's Bible studies, I feel like it's been a slow process of I really like this person and what they're saying in this Bible study. So we're going to do that. Or it's very, it's a topical Bible study. And I think it's applicable to women or applicable to me. So I'd like to teach it and lead women through it to going to Jen Wilkin and doing her books of the Bible study. We just did Genesis this whole last mm. year, which was so awesome and so good. And it's more verse by verse. It's walking through just the book of the Bible. There's not really topical. It's more expository. And then for this year, I'm actually writing my first Bible study on Ecclesiastes for our women. So mm. I have an Old Testament love right now. That's so. awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah they're, they're, I got to preach on uh Matthew uh, one one and two a few a couple weeks ago and there's a uh, dear friend of mine's wife that was just like you are speaking to me today because man you're in the Old Testament and I'm like I know right. and isn't it great so it's 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 good to see you know like you know my wife has even grown more into the Old Testament and she's mm -hmm. right there I mean they're they're friends and you know me and me and her husband have been friends for years and it's just awesome you know the, to meet on on just the uh, the bible and being expository and everything yeah. so you know that's kind of like get, gets into it because here you are um i guess my my knowledge anyway of this story is uh, as a student uh, underneath dave you wrote a paper or something mm -hmm. on uh, women's devotionals um being critical of women's devotionals and so um just as a you know a question that kind of comes to my mind in that is um is there is there something different about women's devotionals that need we need to like guard against or mm. is this something more of a universal principle that you're kind of bringing in but since you have done women's ministry since there is sort of there's a little bit of a distinction to be made you know between um you know women teaching women and you know older women teaching younger women and mm -hmm. men you know just the way that the complementarians do anything um is there anything that you've noticed that's actually different than say if you pick up a, a say a, a guy's devotional or a youth devotional or something is there anything yeah. there yeah that's a great question so i think it's really important when we talk about women in the church, we remember that women are a, like a large part of the church. And we kind of are, when it comes to getting your family to church, like who's going to make sure the kids get their shoes on and you get out the door and it's usually mom, right? So mm -hmm. I just feel like when it comes to Christian devotionals, we have to remember that in part, we're talking about marketing books, right? So we're talking about publishing houses who are getting writers and they're making these books and they're marketing and they're marketing to women. So my concept that I had in Dave's class was the Bible, but make it pink, just kind of playing at this, this concept where you walk into the Christian bookstore and you see all of these books for men. And it's like, and it's like David Platt, like New Mercies, or it's Alistair Begg. It's like actual theologians. And then you walk to the women's aisle of books and devotionals, and it's these pink things, and they tend to be more me-centric or more topically driven. And I just think that, first of all, 
I think devotions can be for anyone. Like I wrote down some that I like, like new mercies by Paul David Tripp. That's great. And that can be for women that can be for men, but there's just this amount of marketing that's going into women's devotionals right now. And I feel like it's just unfortunate because you can go into a store and instead of, you know, picking up a book that might help you understand the Bible, like here on this side of my desk, I have all these expository books on Ecclesiastes because that's what I'm researching. So instead of picking up, you know, exposition on Ecclesiastes by Danny Aiken, you're going to go pick up 100 Days to Brave by Annie F. Downs. And that's just, you know, it's fine, but it's not the word of God. And so how can we instead drive women to reading the word of God instead of thinking they need to have Bible study books or devotional books to grow in their faith? That's yeah. kind of what my thought was. Yeah. And the same thing, you know, I, I can kind of see that, you know, with just Sarah Young's um, Jesus mm-hmm. Calling, you know, I remember seeing it in multi- uh, pastel colored, you know, leather bound mm-hmm. things. And so mm-hmm. it's definitely a marketing thing. And I mean, we see that, you know, you, you have uh men's razors that look all tough looking and they're mm-hmm. chrome. And then you get mm-hmm. like the, you know, the pink candles and all, you know, like there, there is, there is a, a system out there anyway that, you know, kind of it's marketing, you know, and it's capitalism isn't bad, but there's a bad use of capitalism and that's how mm-hmm. that can can get down in there. So I just wanted to see what the that distinction was, that there is a special sort of distinction that we need to be wary of. And, you know, you do have, you know, men are pastors. And so, you know, you have Paul David Tripp, you've got mm-hmm. R.C. Sproul, you have Charles Spurgeon, you know, you've got mm-hmm. these, these beefy dudes. Um, and when you're like, would you say that those, you know, I understand that there's some things that kind of like show like, here, here's the biblical man. Um, I'm mm-hmm. going to give a man a biblical man. Here's a devotional here. You probably wouldn't want to give that to a woman unless if they wanted to know what kind of man that, you know, maybe they do need that, you know? So we, I, I'm thinking what I'm picking up, what you're dropping down here is, you know, this should be across the board, but it's not, there's, there's a difference, right? Right. And one thing I had said in my speech that I worked on for David's class is like, it feels like sometimes we are doing the Bible made light for women. So if, if Paul David Tripp is the one who's writing the men's devotionals or Matt Chandler or whoever, but the women's devotionals are just these simple, like 100 days to brave Jesus calling, um, just these really basic made to crave, which is just about your relationship with food. Again, those are like topics worthy of tackling in a biblical manner, but where is the meat? And where's the hardiness and where's the aptitude for women to dig into the word. And that's what I love about Jen Wilkin as a Bible teacher is that she recognizes that when God gave us God's word, like he didn't just give it to the men and he didn't just say like, it's your job to interpret this and then tell the women. I mean, that's true of pastors, but in our day-to-day life, we should all be ingesting God's word and we should be growing closer to him. And then when we sit under our pastors, we have biblical discernment from our own reading of God's word. So especially because not all woman is going to be a wife to have a husband who can explain it to her like as women we should be capable of opening the book and understanding and should want that biblical literacy yeah one of the things that i really appreciated about your speech and uh, about the actual paper of the speech i guess the speech outline was you have this desire to encourage women and equip them with the tools to do serious biblical theology and hermeneutics on their own, under the leadership of a pastor and empower them. And that, to me, is one of the unique things that you really do. Tell me a little bit about what it is that you would encourage women to do when it comes to learning how to study the Bible for themselves and not having to be dependent upon what I think is very 
sometimes shallow, topical, uh, maybe a me-centric approach mm -hmm. to looking at scripture and devotionals. So if you could maybe walk us through a little bit of that process, that'd just be exceptional. That's awesome. So one thing I always want to tell women whenever I'm teaching them in Bible study and leading them through God's word is that we are so conditioned to believe in the Western church. When we tackle us, when we come to a sermon, when we tackle scripture, we look at that and we say, what is God saying to me when we look at that verse? I mean, I remember being a teenager and just like, okay, this is God's word for me today, whatever it opened to like, that was God. That's what he had for me, but it's really not about us. God's word is about learning about him. I mean, yeah. we, we should want to love him, like love God with all your might, with all your soul and with all your strength, all your mind. Like that's what we're after here when we read God's word. And so I want everyone to first, like, forget about what we're going to learn about us in the Bible, but come to God's word asking what we're going to learn about him. And I think that really changes our mindset so much. So I'm in second Timothy right now, just have my Bible open to second Timothy three, because 16 through 17 is there um, where it says that it's profitable for us for teaching reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. And so when I encourage women to be students of God's word, I just say, when we read the word, we're going to first read the scripture and we're going to ask like, what is that teaching me about God? Not at, what is it teaching about me? And so I'm learning in that passage that, you know, God has given me his word and he's given it so that I can love him more so that he, so he can correct me so I can be corrected by him so I can grow in him. So I'm saying I, and I'm saying me, but it's about my relationship with him. It's still about God. Um, the old Testament, you know, we have verses there that we like Jeremiah 29, 11, that we hold as like our own life verses. Yes. Um, Cause we say like, Oh, God has plans for me to prosper me, to give me a future and a hope. But when we look at that verse, you know, and we look at what can that teach us about God, then we're going to start looking into the context. So who is this passage about? Well, it's about Israel. Well, what's happening at in this time at Israel and then what's true of this passage and what's happening in Israel. Like, well, God has a future for them. He has a hope for them and that's a savior and that's Christ. And so how does that matter to me today? Well, God gave me that savior. I have Jesus Christ. And so my future and my hope is in Christ. So it's just this process of working through God's word and saying, you know, how was it applicable to them then, which is basic hermeneutics. And then what is, what does that mean? And how does that mean for my life when it comes to this already not yet kingdom mindset? Cause we're thinking about like the kingdom of God first. And then how does that grow closer? How does that teach me something about God? Like what would my response be to God? And in my speech, I use Psalm 23. So my conclusion, how, how does Psalm 23 jar us closer to God? Well, with that kingdom mindset, it tells me like, I don't have to be afraid to go tell a stranger about Jesus. Like, yeah, it's really scary, but God is with me and he has asked me to do this thing and he's not going to leave me. And I get to do that. And it's great. So that was kind of, that was a rough explanation, but that's kind of how I tend to lead women. Through yeah. And that's, gospel. that's just the rules of expositional preaching, yeah. uh, talking, going through the Bible expositionally is, I mean, that's, that's the, the beautiful thing of it is, God has provided uh, universals, things that are true across the board, no matter who you are, where you are. Um, and, and so uh, how, how to rightfully divide his word wasn't just given mm -hmm. to Timothy um, for the sake of just preaching, but we should all be trying to rightfully divide the word as we speak to one another. It's like, you know, Philip talking to the eunuch whenever he's reading mm -hmm. Isaiah, you know, like as Isaiah, you know, or is uh, Philip supposed to be like, 
well you know here's some like little homiletic or something like that that would Mm -hmm. just lead you to feel better or is it that's talking about jesus (laughs) <laughs> yeah. reading about jesus and then he ends up going yeah. oh, here's some water you know so but because he mm-hmm. led the led him rightly because like if we were about us that eunuch probably would be like i don't need water i'm fine <laughs> apparently mm-hmm. so right. yeah that's that's that, that's wonderful so i'm glad that uh um that you are you know you, you're saying the same thing as all all of us you know and, it, and we're coming to the same conclusion from what from second timothy 3 16 you know it's so it's, yeah, yeah. You've told us a little bit about the process that you walk women through when it comes to doing very, again, what I believe is foundational hermeneutic and exegetical principles. I always think that uh, Dr. Allen does just an exceptional job when he talks about the descriptive and the prescriptive elements of scripture. It's one of the ways that I'm often, when I'm discipling men in my church, I'm telling them, hey, let's look at this passage for the descriptive and prescriptive components. What does the process in your ministry look like? How do you sit down with women and go about teaching them to study the Bible and at the same time disciple them? Um, Do you get a group of women together and go through these principles? Is that the foundational Mm -hmm. piece? And then say, okay, now that we've got these principles, let's go from here. Tell us a little bit about what this looks like in your ministry context. Yeah. So I have a group of women meeting together right now through the summer and we're going through first John and I've just encouraged them to just read first John. I mean, there's great resources and I, I did purchase, um, Danny Aiken's Christ center exposition for it just so I would have some, some extra help as I lead through it. But for me with, when it comes to teaching God's word and to helping women understand that they are capable of walking through God's word, I'd rather not give them a Bible study to go with it. I'd like to just have them approach the text. And so as we walk through first John, just a chapter a week, um, again, with hermeneutics, like a reminder, this is a letter by Paul. It was actually written as one thing, you know, we don't need to, it wasn't originally broken into five chapters. So when we start with it, let's read the whole thing, right? Let's read this whole letter first as Paul would have intended it to be read and how he wrote it. And then in the next five weeks, we broke it up into, well, it wasn't complete chapters. It was like logical segments. Mm -hmm. And I just was like, you know, come with your questions, come with what you're learning about the text. I, some of the women have cross-references in their Bible. So they were like, well, here it says he's referring to this other thing in John. And isn't this crazy how he said this almost exactly in the book of John, the gospel of John and first John. And it's great because, you know, you start week one with women and I feel like you do a lot of the talking because you're like, the Bible is saying this and it's really exciting and it can remind us of this. But by this last week, we're in week five now, they're doing most of the talking because they've gotten confident in reading God's word and exegeting it themselves in going around the scripture and learning where these cross references are. So I just think, you know, if you're a woman who's discipling and you want to disciple through God's word, it might look really messy at first, but you get better. I mean, it's just like anything you, you, you learn how to read God's word. And at first you, you know, you might not do it very well, or you might think you're doing a terrible job or you're mis misinterpreting the text, but just with diligence and faithfulness and every day reading the text personally and working together in groups with people who are discipling you or groups of women or men reading God's word. If you're a man, you just grow, you just grow in your capacity and your biblical literacy. And that's what I want to see women have is confidence in their capacity to be biblically literate. So I want to, kind of go two ways here with Mm -hmm. this. Um, 
what has been the response from some of these women who maybe have gone and jumped from, you know, Beth Moore Bible study to Priscilla Schreiber Bible study to David Jeremiah Bible study or whoever, you know, fill in the blank. When they first sit down, are they uh, a little bit hesitant to do things this way? Or are they really receptive of this? Or how do you talk them through the basic process of here's why we're doing it this way? And here's why you don't need to have this person's book. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. And it's been, I, I mentioned earlier, I started with just leading through devotions, ironically, and then through topical Bible studies, and then through books of the Bible, Bible studies, and now just walking with women as they study God's word is a newer thing in my life. Um, so I just have a limited experience here, but it's been a really sweet season, I think, because as women, I think one, we're really conditioned to want that workbook, even in my own church. And I love in my own women's ministry that I'm a part of, like most of our Bible studies, we offer a workbook by someone you mentioned, or any of the other Bible women who are Bible teachers or Bible speakers out there. And so you're used to walking into the church into women's Bible study and having something that's going to guide you through and walk you through and kind of give you these ideas where I've seen that even in this book where we worked through Genesis is you still have this person who's guiding you, who has their own biblical lens of interpretation and their own application points that they've taken from the text. And that's okay, but I would love to see where the Holy Spirit takes the person themselves. I mean, within reason, like we all need to be on the same page with what the Bible is actually saying. But I think, you know, if, if like Kay Arthur, she's a great example. She does precepts. It's a really deep Bible study approach where you're really digging into the word of God. But at the end of the day, when I've walked through Kay Arthur Bible studies, you still are going where Kay Arthur wants you to go. And mm -hmm. so, you know, with Ruth, it's, there's a lot of Christ imagery in that. And she takes you there. Um, and she takes you to Revelation and it's great. But, you know, there's other places we could go to that, too. We know that from theology studies and stuff like that. So I think that that's when we have women and they just study God's word. It's hard and it's scary because you don't have that workbook to guide you through. But as you get going, it, it feels more comfortable and it's neat to see them come to their own conclusions and not have someone tell them what to think. I just think that's a beautiful picture of how the church should be studying it. Obviously, it does put some people in some discomforting situations at first, but I think about as a pastor, the numerous uh, times that women, every time they start a Bible study, they're going to bring the content to me. And so one of the things that I've struggled with pastorally has been to just say, hey, let me teach you some of these principles of basic hermeneutics and exegesis. And then you take them and you apply them to a study that, that you lead, that you write. And certainly, again, I think the Danny Aiken stuff is really good. That's one of the commentaries that I, the commentary sets that I really enjoy. Mm -hmm. But with that said, uh, just a beautiful process right. there. So whenever we're, we're talking about this, I know you're talking about the process and uh, what it's like to sort of go from devotionals to leading women to then lead women from scriptures alone. So leading them to those uh, principles of hermeneutics and whatnot. But how, how have you seen this bring more life um, compared to just doing devotionals? Is there more of a, a, a refreshment a, and a breath of fresh air almost that you see um, instead of being like contained in somebody else's world and where they want to take you? Um, do you see more of an abundant life coming out of biblical only study? Yeah, that's a great question. I see, I think that 
competence breeds confidence. Mm. And so these women I'm walking through first John with are also in the community group that I co-lead with my husband and some dear friends of ours. And that group is 25 men and women. And we just walked through Jude together as a group over the summer, our husbands led it and we're walking into Romans. And I just think that, you know, the more women are conditioned to actually read their own Bibles and to study for themselves, then they're feel more competent. And then, then they're also more confident. So in those group settings, when you're with men and you're with brothers and you're with sisters, and we're having this biblical discussion, you know, I've seen women who maybe don't typically share as much share more because they have done the research coming into this Sunday night session where we're talking about Jude and they feel more confident. And, you know, maybe even they see something that we talked about in first John. And so they're excited about that and how it connects. And so I think that's a really great reason that we can encourage women toward biblical literacy because it helps, it helps the church. Like it helps us all function together. It's iron sharp and iron brothers and sisters talking about the word of God. Um, and then too, I think that something in our women's ministry at, at Henderson Hills, it's a large women's ministry. And when we meet as a leadership team, all the women who lead Bible studies, you know, one thing we talk about is what do these women do between study sessions? So we do the fall, we do the spring and we do the summer, but there's big chunks of time between when women's Bible study is active and there's childcare and we have all the pieces in place. And every time I end a Bible study session with women in our church, I, you know, I say, I hope I want you to still be in God's word in this waiting period. But I do think there's women who don't, who are waiting for the next workbook to get back into God's word. So when we teach women from the jump to just be students of God's word, to understand how to open it, not just in Psalms and Proverbs, but in Daniel and in, you know, Paul's letters and to read it and to understand it, then that would again, make them feel more competent and competent in their homes, opening the scriptures every day and walking through God's word. Yeah. So one of the things that I, don't get from you is that it's not like you're saying, hey, all women's devotions are garbage and they're useless. I I appreciate the way that you handled that. Tell me a little bit about when you think it is appropriate to use women's devotions and some of the discernment that you would encourage uh, women and specifically women ministry leaders to use in assessing some of the stuff that they're using. Because I think that's one reason that women grab those things is, oh, hey, it's a hot seller. I mean, I think of many individuals, Jesus calling, if they knew the roots Mm -hmm. of that, Mm -hmm. they would throw it away, but they didn't, and they didn't feel good about themselves. So of course they went into it being their daily thing, reading it just as much as they read scripture. So help me a little bit with that discernment process and maybe a few pieces that women ministry leaders can take and begin to apply right away. Mm-hmm. So I'll start with like a devotion that I'm not a fan of, and then I can work into some maybe that I like and explain why on both ends. Yeah. Um, in looking in researching for this project, you know, I looked at different devotions that they're out there for women. Jesus Calling was the one I used in the illustration and read mm. from. Um, but there was one that I really liked about four years ago. Um, before I went back to school and all the things, it was called 100 Days to Brave by Annie F. Downs, and it's been a really big seller. And it was actually one that I had given to women in my life. It's a devotional Mm -hmm. book. Um, she's 
a funny, engaging, gregarious Bible personality, Christian personality. Um, but basically the subtitle of the vo- devotional is devotion devotions for unlocking your most courageous self. Mm. And then when you read on Amazon through what the description of the book is the devotional book, there's not like a single mention of Christ or Jesus or scripture mm. in any capacity. I mean, there's scripture in the devotional because I think that's what we're looking for in devotionals largely is some scripture at the top of really funny story that that's engaging. And then a challenge or a prayer at the end for the day. And that's pretty much what this devotional is and what so many women's devotionals can be. And so for me as in women's ministry, that's a red alarm. I mean, Hmm. 100 days to brave and unlocking your most courageous self. Like we can, we can make that spiritual. Like we know that in Isaiah 41, 10, we're told to fear not. And Jesus says in Matthew 10, 28 that, you know, we don't have to fear. He, he has his eye on the sparrows. So he's watching us. Like we know that there are biblical truths that support this concept of courage, but it's not really courage found in us. It's courage found in Christ. Mm -hmm. So I think that as a women's ministry leader, you have to have that level of discernment to look at that text, to look at the description and to say, is this pointing back to Christ in any capacity? And if it's not, I would say it's not worth being in your church because everything we should do in the church should be pointing us back to Christ, um, toward growing in closer to God and not growing closer to myself or my capacity. And that's such a worldly, um, mission right now is for us to be our best selves. I don't, I mean, especially in women's world, like it's your best self now and self-care and we, you know, we could have a whole separate podcast about that, but that has infiltrated the church too. And so a lot of these devotionals you see, again, it's smart, it can be marketing. And I know so many Christian publishers, like, I think that they have great hearts for women of God's word, but it is marketing and what's hot in the market right now is self-help. And so mm-hmm. you're going to see that in devotional content and you want to look for biblical discernment in those things. Yeah. Have um, you, uh, just, uh, just yeah, by yeah. off chance, have you, uh, read, uh, Carl Truman's book, um, the rise and triumph of the modern self? No. Okay. That'd be a good one to kind of get you in that. Like if you want to get into that, uh, yeah. in, into the philosophy and the not vacuum, uh, that all the stuff was created. in. I think you definitely just like spoke to that. Um, you know, okay. basically with these, uh, from what I'm getting from what you're saying, it's totally playing into that because basically, um, marketing should, you know, it's really mocking women anyway, cause it's just telling you, you are an emotional being, you need therapy. Yeah. Um, it's not telling yeah. you that you're more than that. But the yeah. Bible tells you, if you get in the Bible, it tells you that you're much more than that, though mm-hmm. you do live in a complementarian world, you know, mm-hmm. and in God's world where he has a division of labor. Um, but in that division of labor, you are awesome and 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 you are an image bearer of God in the female form uh, for a certain purpose that empowers you to create life, to house life, to build life. I mean, I don't know if there's anything better than that. Um, it's definitely something that, you know, I get to be a part of the process, but I don't get to be a woman. And so, mm-hmm. there, you know, so it's a, that, you know, that's the cool thing. That's the difference between something therapeutic that you're talking mm-hmm. about, you know, mm-hmm. that the pink way of doing things um, mm-hmm. versus like the truth, which is should be more empowering. But then it gives to show you the condition of the church. You, you know, mm-hmm. what are we buying? They're going right. to sell to what's buying. So it's right. not just a system problem. It is a personal mm-hmm. problem. So we can't we can't go that route and just blame the system. Mm-hmm. And we're we're scot free. Um, we've we've built the system as well. So but yeah, that's what I'm thinking about you dropping. So I think that'd be a really good resource uh, yeah, as well to kind of up. get into the philosophy uh, behind and kind of explain why we why are we're here. <laughs> anyway, so Ashley, you did an excellent job of walking through 
what you would say is a mm. uh, red light as yeah. far as a devotion that you think is problematic. Mm -hmm. um, help me a little bit with one that you would say is is useful for mm -hmm. a woman in ministry and a good piece. Because again, mm -hmm. I don't get that you're saying, no, 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 all these women's right. materials kept it. What is that process of discernment on a good devotion? Yeah, yeah. I think that um, I emailed my I emailed my pastors ahead of this interview just to ask their pers perspectives too on a few of your questions. And I like what my pastor at Henderson Hill said. He said, you know, sometimes we'll listen to sermons, but that can't replace our time in the word of God. Mm. Um, and I think that that's really true. But I also think that there's seasons where we're more inclined to different things. So for example, I think of like a young mother with a baby, right. And she mm. is just to open God's word is exciting and great, but then her baby cries or has a blowout or, you know, all these hard things. Um, or in my own family, my father-in-law passed away seven years ago. And when he did, you know, it was hard for, you know, it's hard to open God's word. It's hard to just be okay. And so in that season, I sent my mother-in-law a devotional by Joni Tata, uh, and it was songs of suffering and she takes hymns and she takes Psalms and she's been through immense suffering and she has written a beautiful devotional. And that's one that I would recommend to someone who's in a season of suffering because, you know, there's just seasons where we should be in God's word, but maybe we're not, but can we still be pointing people back to Christ, back to prayer, um, back to the church, back to Christian community. And I think that's when we can lean into devotionals and they can be a helpful tool and a helpful resource. Um, but they really, like my pastor said, they should never take the place of our time in God's word. I just think it's human of us to acknowledge as ministry people that our people aren't perfect, that we're not perfect, that I have days I don't read my Bible. And if we have them, even if it's supplemental in something, it's good to give them a resource. So for the young mom, you know, there's Risen Motherhood, which is a podcast and it's a book by Emily Jensen and Laura Whiffler. That's a great devotional resource. And, you know, it's a one, it's this quick little page. And if that's what you can get through as a mom in the day, and then you're on your knees in prayer, in the moments and in the late nights, like then that's great. And I think that that should be a season, just a season. And if you can get into Proverbs or Psalms or something else in that day, do it. But as a women's ministry leader, I don't ever want to dissuade someone from something that's working for them now. I want to push them past that. And I don't want to see you settle for where you are. But if you're in a season of grief and a grief devotional is helping you stay in touch with God and it's showing you his, you know, the side of him that's so compassionate and caring and understanding, then I want you to keep reading what you're reading too. So let me kind of give you two little pieces here as we sure. kind of wrap up and, and Adam might have something as well, but what would you say it, to a young lady or a even a senior adult lady who is in a church with not a powerful women's ministry? And you said, mm -hmm. hey, here are some primary resources for you before you begin to jump into this Bible study with these women. Here are some things that you really need. Have these two books or three books mm -hmm. in your uh, toolkit. Have this podcast uh, ready to go in your queue and be listening to this and train yourself. What would be those resources that you would point that woman to? And it might not just be women, it might be a guy even in general, yeah. because I yeah. think that that's, there's some applicable, applicable things about mm -hmm. that. Where would you take those folks? 
So I think a great book is Women of the Word by Jen Wilkin. And it's old enough now that it can be like, I know my library has audio books that you can just check out and I've listened to it on audio. So for free, um, but that is such a good book. Our women's ministry team has walked through that book as Bible leaders. And it's just something that I think rereading every year is beneficial because she just walks you through really, she does a good job of taking like high level academic theology and making it applicable for the everyday woman and how we study our word, the word of God. So that's a great resource. Um, second, you guys probably have heard of the Bible recap by Tara Lee Cobble and how every year, you know, she does a podcast too, where she, um, walks through the daily Bible reading of the day. And I think Bible reading plans can be a lot. And that's a big jump to go from don't read devotions to read your whole Bible in a year. I'm not always a fan of that. But I, I love the movement I've seen in that, especially women in my church communities who have said they've literally been Christians their whole life and had never read the Bible cover to cover, but they jumped in with their community group women or women in their Bible study or, you know, their mom friends who are from church and they read the Bible together in a year following that Bible reading plan and then loved that podcast. Cause she'll just kind of teach a little bit from what you read that day, you know, which is especially helpful in like judges <laughs> or Leviticus yeah. when you're in weird parts of the Bible, it's great to have good teaching alongside you to help you push forward and understand some of the stuff you're reading. So those are two resources nice. I think are really valuable for women in the church today. Yeah. And how much uh, support, like, I know this is a part of your church, like how much pulpit support does this, uh, this get um, as far as like, you know, from the pulpit, um, are they preaching? Hey, women, you need to get together. You need to go through uh, the Bible in a year. Like I know it's like, you know, the elders, right. They should be seeing, Hey, we've got women and we've got men who I've heard multiple times. I've never read the whole Bible. So are they pushing mm -hmm. this kind of stuff from the pulpit or is there some, is there more of a call that this needs to be uh, something from preach from the pulpit? Um, that's a really, that's a good question. And I'm in two churches right now. So I'm trying yeah. to think, you know, one church is like three weeks old guys. He's yeah, only been pastor for yeah. three weeks there. So it's not fair for me to say on him. Um, I know him per, I mean, he's a friend and I'm sure he wants us to be in God's word and yeah. will push us in that direction. He's very expository in his preaching. And he wants, he wants his women's Bible study leaders to be preaching from God's word or teaching, preaching the women, <laughs> let me clarify, from God's word to the women yeah. and, and not really leaning on devotion. So he is in agreement yeah. with me there. Mm -hmm. um, and then at my other church, you know, we just have such a large women's ministry that they're able to constantly, you know, push out that we're having things that we're doing things that were available for mentoring and discipleship. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that I don't know that I hear a lot from the pulpit, but at the same time, there's a consistent um, encouragement to the body of Christ, brothers and sisters to be in yeah. God's word that maybe it's just that lack of isolating the women. It's all of us. You yeah. all need to be in God's word. So we're, we're definitely yeah. getting that. In both yeah, and, that's, and that's great. Cause I mean, I've, if we separate, if we only have like, you know, this, this is kind of like the, the reform movement. This is what I've loved about, about it. This is what's mm -hmm. gotten me into certain things is like the plurality of elders, um, mm -hmm. like life groups, not just doing a Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, where I'm just getting it by one mm -hmm. pastor and that's mm -hmm. their job. And I'm supposed to come listen um, mm -hmm. But it's because of this movement of like, no, this is the priesthood of the believer. And, and then recognizing, wait a second, this is something that's well, from the scriptures, but then mm -hmm. something that had to be reformed um, and come back to light that we are the priesthood. We are all 
in this together to be equipped mm-hmm. and to do ministry. And I'm, you know, that this is kind of the, that stuff. And so as we focus in on like women's ministries and, you know, women teaching women and women, um, you know, being marketed to and just going, well, this is, is so instead of just going to the pastor, I need this mm-hmm. devotion. I need to go out yeah. and buy this devotional and do that for a while. And then they get, you know, bad in, bad out kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. why we're here with this episode to talk about it. But, you know, it's just wonderful that, that you've got support, that you've seen support. I know, you know the women in, in my church um man it's it's awesome to see like my, my wife teaches mm-hmm. um in, in the women's ministry and just uh what she she's like just make sure i'm not a heretic and she you know hands me the pieces <laughs> of paper. she's like right you know red line anything you know yeah and uh you know i'm like sitting here going like this is nice this is my this is my mm-hmm. woman reading the mm-hmm. bible and teaching it it's yeah. awesome so it, it's yeah. it's a beautiful thing to see and i'm glad that that uh you know it's you know, it's, it's not just a certain, um, genre of people doing this, but mm-hmm. so I just want to encourage you to keep on serving your King. And, um, you know, just, I pray that just this happens more and more churches, small churches, cause I know that there are women that are starving mm-hmm. and uh, they don't know what to ask for. And mm-hmm. so, but yeah, hopefully they get a hold of this episode and they're like, Hey, I need the word. And then they mm-hmm. dig in and then God just just uh explodes mm-hmm. something in this country and in this whole world through through women so ashley i'm so yeah. grateful for your answering god's call and you investing in this such a worthy cause i am so grateful uh, i met my wife through my sister who is involved in a very just open the bible exegete bible study led by women and they grew mm-hmm. and Uh, My sister was able to point my wife to uh, her brother, who she thought was somewhat decent. And uh, (laughs) my wife, somehow she, uh, she listened to my sister. I don't know why to this very day, but (laughs) so thank you. Let me uh, ask one last question, because I think maybe it's just me, but what can pastors do to encourage the types of groups that you are leading and helping create, because as Adam pointed out so clearly, it is something that we need. What would be a few things that I can do, whether it's from the the pulpit or just from inside of the church as a whole? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, our my church is very bent on discipleship, and so I think it's awesome just to see our pastor. continually and faithfully encouraging discipling for all ages, for all generations. Um, I think it's really awesome to have a multi-generational group. I love Mm. that. I've been so blessed to have women's Bible studies where the women are in their late twenties to their late eighties. That is the literal best. It's so good. And so I think as a pastor, encourage women to be in the habit of meeting together, um, to open their homes, to study the Bible, mm-hmm. especially the older women. You know, when you mm-hmm. see a young mom, she might not want to open her home because it might be a disaster, but invite those moms in for a respite and a cookie and some coffee and God's word and just be faithful in that. Um, and man, open the church. I would say that's the other thing. Open the church. If you can find a way to make childcare work so you can get a group of women in to study God's word, do it. Because I think child that's something that holds women back, especially younger women mm-hmm. from meeting together and study God's word. So if you can get childcare, maybe some of the men could rally together and watch the kids. That's a, so that's a big thing. In God's word. Yeah. A big thing yeah. that us guys can definitely do is uh, take our kids out for a daddy kiddo night while the ladies get yeah. together and, you know, just give, give them some time. I mean, yeah. come on guys, come on, let's be men yeah. and deal yeah. with our kids. 
for yeah. the sake of our wives getting the word of God <laughs> and doing what That's the awesome. Bible tells them to do. So stop getting That's in awesome. the way. <laughs> so, yeah. I agree. so awesome. And also just, I would just add to like speaking life and encouragement into the women in your church who you see as gifted Bible teachers and who mm -hmm. you see doing this. Like if you see women actively discipling other women in your church, leading small groups of Bible study, just the more men, especially in complementarian churches speak into us, our pastors, um, because I think our husbands are supporting us great by and large. So, but when our pastors and our brothers are supporting us and speaking life into us and encouraging us, that is so helpful because it just makes us feel like, oh, like one, like we are making an impact here and you recognize that and you're encouraging in that. And so we feel like equipped to keep going too. So don't underestimate just a good word to the women. Yeah. Well, awesome. Ashley, awesome. excellent piece. Um, great work as a student. Such a Thanks. pleasure to have you. One thing that I will say is you definitely have an invitation to come and confront the concept of self-care in yes. women's devotional material. We That is an open project for you. If you would ever okay. like to look into that and present that, we would certainly uh, welcome that on mm -hmm. here because I think that is uh, an exceptional idea. And you are individually well qualified to do that. And so we'll just have to be in uh, communication yeah. with you uh, about possibly not trying to throw more on your plate, but something <laughs> that you can uh, certainly look into. And there is no uh, time requirement on that. So we'll, uh, Adam, we'll give you just our last little bit here and I'll let him kind of wrap us up and he will remind you of how we conclude our program. Oh, uh, she knows. She knows. I, I, she's got a good brain. Yeah. I think she wrote, you wrote it down. <laughs> I so did. I wrote good. it down. There you go. There you go. That's, that's the ticket. But anyway, thank you for your time. Thank you for your work. I'm glad to, you know, this is the first time I've met you to say hi to you. So I'm glad to have you on the Tag Grit podcast again. Please, if you want to get into that self-care stuff, man, I'm totally into the philosophy behind that and all that kind of stuff. So that'd be awesome to talk about on the Tag Grit podcast. So we hope to have you on in the future about that. But this is... Uh, this is going to be a great episode. Um, this is something that, you know, we've been hitting a few of the same subjects over and over again. This is like, a this has been really refreshing to know that, you know, we've, we've gotten something else out there to help equip the people that listen. So again, uh, if you're listening to this guys, um, hopefully this is something been refreshing, uh, something that you can take to your body. Um, you can look at it, examine what's your body doing right now. Are you, are men getting together, teaching men, are women teaching women? Do you have the multi-generational element? Are you passing your is your church going to die with you because you didn't hand it over to your kids mm -hmm. and you didn't take care of the ladies ahead of you either so you know this is a multi-generational deal as we build um you know to you know and again i'm going to say hashtag that post mill you know this is we got we got to think a few generations ahead uh and our local bodies because you know if the church shrinks that means our city is going to suffer and we are the mercy ministry we are the keys as the church in our localities so think mm -hmm. multi-generationally there you said so much so i appreciate um everything that you did there but yeah guys, come on guys take this information look at your churches do you have it then awesome keep it going and if you don't have it don't despair you can repent and there's no condemnation. There's no gotcha moments. You can just simply repent and go, you know, I didn't believe that. I need to do that. And then just take up the mantle, open up your Bibles, and start reading together. And again, opening up your home, opening up the church. So anyway, thanks for that word. It's very much appreciative. So, but yeah, with that said, this is the Tag Your It podcast. I'm Ray Ray. I'm David Pepper. And Ashley Taylor. And Sully. Deo. Gloria. Gloria.